only joy I get from this podcast is standing around telling mean-spirited jokes at these cartoons' expense. I do that too. Check out that one. Where its frames all screwed up. <laughs> it's like they rendered it on a speaking spell. It really is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do what do we watch this week, Will? Well, all right. First off, you're Adric. You already said my name, which is Will. Uh, this is on Two's podcast where we talk about cartoons, and this week we watched The Boondocks. I hope that uh, you know that me um, smashing into it not having an intro and forcing you to go back and retroactively introduce the show is something that that brings me great joy in this life yeah i mean it is kind of better than just doing an intro <laughs> i'm not is then i'm not sure talking but... about it after the fact make it yeah, better yeah. or worse <laughs> <laughs> who knows not me our viewers could let us know but i don't think there are comments on anything uh do we have a single there comment? even I don't know. I don't know that we have a single comment. uh, SoundCloud and some of the episodes say that they have comments on them, but I can't look at them. Yo, let's fucking go. We got a new follower a day ago. Uh, Oh, hell yeah. Shout out to Christine. Um, I don't know if you're real or not, uh, if you're a bot, but um, uh, they followed us and liked our episode. I'll take all the fucking bots we can get. Yeah. And that's awesome. I love bots. I love bots. I will take all of the bots that we can possibly get. Bots come home. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, what, so, what do we watch? Uh, the Boondocks. Boondocks. A series that ran from 2005 uh, to 2014. <laughs> which is which very is, impressive. <laughs> it's four seasons. Yeah. It, it's kind of got that same thing that adult swim did with like the venture brothers where they're just like they just kind of give them money and then and... We'll just like, put out another episode every once in a while right right it's real weird yeah that's um, cool there I was mean, also i believe a big gap between seasons three and four that sounds about right um yeah i could, I could look it up but um that sounds about right and you know um i think that's a really honestly really good way to run a show too many shows yeah. need to have like uh, a a tight production schedule and you know release all the episodes at once. Hell no, go the exact opposite direction. Release three episodes a year whenever you feel yeah. like it Fucking over the course of waiting. ten years. That's awesome. Yeah, and then we get to look back at you know the entire collection of the show and actually have a ton of episodes whereas if it was this certainly if this show was following a uh, more traditional uh, <laughs> production <laughs> schedule um, i cannot imagine we would have gotten as much or any of this well one of the things that era magruder did with this show was make things that are about topics that are going to be fairly evergreen yeah like he consciously did that which and in a lot I, of cases is pretty fucking depressing it's deeply sad um god a lot of these things shouldn't be evergreen exactly but like, they are when um 
the uh i believe it's the second episode um the second episode ever of the show um it's about an r kelly trial and you're like (laughs) oh my god this shouldn't be uh extremely relevant today (laughs) i mean yeah it's like this shouldn't be fucking relevant yeah but it is but it is yeah aaron magruder is an interesting person um because yeah so so he just you know um for those of you who who didn't know um it's based off of uh aaron magruder's um uh comic strip and a newspaper uh, comic strip which is amazing um it is like I don't know how how often do you get a a translation between a comic strip and then the actual show and have the two of them feel so uh cohesive and like in um, the style of and effective together. I can think of like uh, I've never peanuts. read any <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never read any Ziggy, but I've seen Ziggy's Christmas Gift and I assume that that's fairly similar. I guess that's probably pretty similar. And like you know, I don't know. It's not Garfield that they don't Ever Garfield's translate. just shit ass jokes for the whole time. <laughs> like, okay, both of them. Fair enough. It all sucks. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Oh uh, um, god. Man. And there's Heathcliff. Um, there are just... a lot of co- there are a lot of cartoons that are based off of uh, newspaper comics, but most of them aren't this good. Most of them aren't this good. Yeah. Um, and as always, I'm going to be um, the absolute downer as we as we get to talking about something so that we can you know move on and talk about the 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 value adds that it has to culture and the world and um uh interesting things that it is doing um this show is extremely misogynistic uh oh yeah just like Very. has and, no respect and there's a lot of like homophobia yeah. in there as well yeah um but it seems as though that's typically coming out of characters who are seen to be bad, but it's also played for laughs. Yeah. So it's it's really difficult to tell, and I, and I think that this is probably one of the show's like strengths as far as a like consumer work um, that is on a, a major ish network um, is is that it does sort of the south park thing but i think a little bit better most of the time of yeah including um very very difficult political south park so much better yeah um including difficult and very very derisive political topics and having a cast of characters that sort of um with the exception of represents all sides of it yeah exactly and lets the audience sort of pick and choose where they stand on the issues oftentimes like playing so the the two main main characters are um huey and riley who are two brothers both voiced by regina king which is amazing (laughs) it's what blows my mind is that she she's the first credit every single time on these episodes like that's bizarre to me because she's s tier right like Like, what an incredible performance yeah, like the fact that she gets first credit over the series creator. Um, isn't it pretty typical though to to do like created by as the last credit? I could be I could be totally wrong, but yeah, I guess I thought that was like a, a strategic placement. Um, anyway, the point remains. Yeah, she's uh, yeah. She's I think you typically just put your biggest name yeah. at the front. Um, 
which in this case all also kind of weird because you know they got john witherspoon (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's it's quite the cast it is like god and even for their like their cameos they get the person from the thing there's there's an episode where they go to the with notable exception r kelly (laughs) right well with notable exception anyone that like isn't game right right so there's this episode where they go to the theater to watch soul plane 2 and they got snoop dogg to reprise his role from soul plane which is incredible for for their like few lines that they have with soul plane 2 granted snoop dogg's in the show for other stuff yeah and but and snoop dogg is like surprisingly involved with adult sewing content generally um oh yeah like yeah he's he's just like game for a lot of that stuff and well in adult swim they get a lot of perform uh, uh recording artists yes a lot of musicians and a lot of like rappers and shit like that just doing stuff on there because the adult swim is the coolest um network on television like probably i don't know that they still are but they were for a long time even even though they've like you know continued to like slide into the inevitable like corporate consumption yeah what is i I guess at this point yeah i guess at this point they have rick and morty yeah which like god that's that's such a complicated cartoon to talk about because it's the same thing like rick and morty yeah the discussion that surrounds it reminds me of the discussion that surrounded uh my little pony when the whole brony thing was happening i mean fandoms it's like fandoms right like they yeah they are their like, own the show's pretty entity. fucking good yeah. like this show's really good but good god the fans any analysis that i would embarrassment. do about that show or like any talking about it that i would do like on this podcast would just be a complete reprisal of cj the x's hour and almost two hour long video maybe even more than two hour long video talking about its major themes and the the whole arc of the television show so just go watch that cjdx on youtube is extremely extremely good all right i haven't seen it i'll have to uh check it out yeah, at some point here they're um a very interesting video essayist um deeply chaotic in a way that i love um and just like extremely i do love chaos uh accurate about the ways that they look at things and um there's like a an honesty to the way they talk about it, even things that have like a lot of cultural baggage to them like rick and morty where they're like uh you know the phantom is basically its own fucking thing i'm just gonna focus on the show and talk about mm-hmm. all of the all of the experiences in this circumstance um which I, I think is a really good way to to talk about media and try to you know slice it away as much as possible from uh the audience well then still going back and talking about how especially in later seasons the audience begins to literally influence and the fact that the writers are human beings who are aware of their audience and sometimes writing towards them or away from them well and especially in modern shows where you've got like twitter's a thing oh god yeah and i guess (laughs) adult swim like they had their own forums for the longest time that was like my first foray into online forums yeah it was the adult swim forums i really miss forums forums are like 
you know, they're their own hell as far as the internet's concerned. But but they were less bad. They're so much less bad. There's like yeah. Um, I don't know. The there's something to be said for like everybody showing up and like having the inherent base interest in whatever the forum is sort of created around yes. that, that yeah. brought yeah. a lot as of community. To, yeah, as opposed to just the generic, here's a place where you can jump on a soapbox and just yell at motherfuckers. Right, exactly. Or like get recommended some, uh, you know, random nonsense from somebody else's fandom when you're just on Twitter, you know, looking at political shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or interact with the uh, modern-day equivalent of Uncle Ruckus. So oh, man. that's a character that needs discussion. Yeah. Um, He's, he was based on a real person. Right. He was based on this guy who was a slave, and then they ended slavery, and he kept complaining about how he loved slavery and wanted to go back. Like, don't get me wrong, uh, that guy is, is like, an interesting um, person to then, like, write about. Um, and, uh, you know, that the those ideas deserve ridicule. Um, I don't know that uh, capturing what is obviously one person's deep, deep mental illness in perpetuity yeah. is, like, the best thing to do with that, but... I don't know. I, like, the character plays, though. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the thing, is a lot of these a lot of these characters, like, they have extreme negative traits. Yeah. But they play really well. No, you're right. And they, they like, do interesting... Um, they do interesting things with pretty much every character uh, in this. Even the ones that mm-hmm. are, like, um, y- you know um deeply as as referenced in the beginning of the episode problematic misogynistic or yeah Yeah. problematic in other ways um i think this is one of the the things that i i first said to you when talking about this is like i imagine it's really really difficult to write a show that is overtly political in so many ways um and think too hard about uh, how well you are doing each part of it you know writing a show and, and writing something um in this short of a of a time frame a lot of the time you know except for like as you get to later episodes and just like pushing right. ideas through i imagine it's very very difficult to continue to well, maintain it balancing that. balancing that along with being funny right and relevant and like you know and i think this is one of the shows that threads that needle i think so too um for for most of it i i do i do think that um it ignores the perspective of women to its detriment i think that one is like yeah that one is at least obvious to me um yeah that tracks it's it is harder to comment on like the exact outcome and like exact pieces that all go into the um, more racial aspects of the show just given you know my own limitations as far as the lens that i'm looking at that through it it becomes mm-hmm. very very difficult to tell um yeah what what is effective and and what isn't and what is speaking about you know fully true experiences versus what is like because it's been canonized by a, a popular show is like oh, is becoming sure. the culture that um or becoming the lens through the culture that i'm 
I'm consuming it and then becomes my understanding of that thing, even though it is only one small lens. You know? Well, and the other thing is that this this show, the way that it should be viewed is through through the lens of a lot of other uh, black media. Like, That's true. Yeah. I, I told you last night, I think Friday is almost required viewing <laughs> for this show. Just because, like, John Witherspoon is practically playing his character from Friday yeah. for this whole thing. And they they repeat jokes from Friday. They uh, reference Friday all the time. And then on top of that, like, there's so much other stuff that they are referencing that is, yeah. That, yeah, is is necessarily informing the full experience. But interestingly, yeah. I don't think that that was, like, a lot of the people's, especially a lot of the white people's experience who watch this, um, because it was, you know, uh, shown on Adult Swim. And mm -hmm. I imagine there's a, a lot of people who had a similar experience of being, you know, a, a white, a, probably 12-year-old in their basement watching Adult Swim and this coming on and being like, well, holy shit, what? And this right? being a, a an introduction to, or like, you know, and a lot of times the only piece of like um, completely black produced media that they've consumed that year just because of how narrow the the scope of media consumption is you know especially the yeah. one that that like fully wears um it's well and especially its like back in 2005 yeah yeah like it was out it, it's all out there like fucking friday isn't new but it's no friday's 95 but you know but it's yeah it, it's very not not even underground but just not put in the same discussion as other comedy movies well it's, it, yeah and it just didn't you know as it's certainly possible that it did but um from my awareness didn't come on randomly on a mainstream network tv show that i was already or channel that i was already watching especially yeah, not it, on the it extremely like, limited cable package that i had <laughs> as a kid yeah it, it wasn't like how they'd play half-baked like three times a day on fucking cartoon or on uh, comedy central yeah exactly exactly god damn like yeah it is nuts yeah on comedy central the the number of movies that i watched yeah hundreds of times just because they had the rights to them and were playing them non-stop right like i I should not have seen as many Rodney Dangerfield movies <laughs> as I have. Probably not. <laughs> like, oh man, it is interesting how much me and and it sounds like to to some degree you as well. Um, your cultural lens was informed by basically just watching a lot of Comedy Central and Cartoon Network as a kid. Oh yeah, as like hundred percent, an adolescent. But, yeah, it, it's weird because I I wonder how that goes for today mm -hmm. like because the internet god you know everything yeah there's available. probably some kids who are getting fucked up by the youtube algorithm where they're gonna be fucking <laughs> what do you mean, they're, probably? they're gonna be talking about how <laughs> how much they loved those uh spider-man and elsa god <laughs> the spider-man elsa nostalgia media 15 years from now right <laughs> that's gonna be <laughs> deeply concerning it's amount. gonna be hell it's the only thing that cyberpunk i've been replaying Ugh. some parts of cyberpunk 2077 um 
uh and like um it's amazing how quickly future media like that fails to predict the exact dystopia um that we're actually in and that like is actually going to be uh produced because like yeah culture is way 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 weirder than they give it credit for and and worse and worse yeah and so like yeah nostalgia media is just like such a drug it's wild they're just always pushing on like oh well it's gonna be sex positive and all that kind of stuff and it's like no we're gonna get more (laughs) fundamentalist christian yeah (laughs) it's gonna be way worse and way weirder god the only one the only thing that i've read that i think is vaguely similar to what might happen is uh after the revolution oh yeah by uh robert evans oh shit um i've got some breaking news well what's Uh, that the boondocks reboot got canceled yesterday (laughs) oh fuck (laughs) well all right we were gonna talk about that but i guess not oh man it I would was just be like looking up some God, info it would be to hard get some to more confirmation yeah right it'd now it'd be hard to bring it back without john witherspoon it would seriously um like because he's kind of so huey riley and granddad are they were conceptualized as like three aspects of your modern black man mm-hmm. and i think that the the thing is that John Witherspoon plays that part so well that yeah. without him there, it would feel like there's a void yeah. in that place. And it's not impossible that somebody could like reprise that role or, or you know. Um... It's not impossible, but it feels as though like there are two ways that you could go about it. You could have someone doing an impression, which is always going to feel bad, or yeah. you could try and take try and get a different take on it yeah which any of those things is are really gonna difficult. be weird i wouldn't be surprised so yeah they announced the reboot in in 2019 and then john witherspoon passed away almost immediately after they announced it yeah i wouldn't be surprised if from like i'm sure there's other things going on but but if part of it was them trying to make the decision of what to do with that <laughs> in between now and then oh, and then God. coming to like, the decision what to do with of, that this is not what? working what to do about like just fucking modern politics yeah. like just discussing modern shit through this same lens it's uh. it would be a deeply difficult lift and which like that said what they were doing back in 05 like very difficult very difficult yeah although i think that there there are just some like genius things in here yeah like why don't we just talk about some of our our like favorite moments within it too and so i love ed and rummy yeah Yeah. ed and rummy who are ed wensler the third who's the grandson of uh ed wensler who's the guy that owns the freeman's house Uh and then gin rummy they're based (laughs) off of george uh george w bush and donald rumsfeld it's so good it's such an and they go off exactly as half cocked all the time (laughs) there's that moment in the i think the first episode when um uh when Wunsler says about his grandson he's gonna be president in three years and he's still gonna be a fucking idiot (laughs) yeah it's so good 
Uh, I'm just I'm I'm going back and and reading it, through. Yeah. So let's this see. Stuff Ed about... one. Yeah. Ed Wansler is played by Charlie Murphy, which again you'd have to recast that. Yeah. Uh, unless you, I don't know that Ed Wansler the third shows up in the comics, so I don't know that he's like a nes a necessary part of it. But then you'd also have to get Sam Jackson back for Gin Rummy. Yeah. Like, I, and I don't know. God. Yeah, you'd have to reconceptualize the whole thing. Because having characters based off of, you know, you, you'd have to, like, base characters off of fucking Steve Bannon and Donald Trump. And that sucks. <laughs> that sucks so bad. Like, And maybe this sucked, too, at the time. But I don't think so. Not in the same way. Because... Like there's something not, very different not as I remember, not as I remember either, because there's there's something very, very different about the way that media figures existed and the way media figures were like portrayed and made fun of. And like, um, I don't know, it it felt actually subversive to have characters like these in comparison to now. Yeah. Um, When you do like a, a character based on Trump or any of the other, you know, villains of our world, it just it it feels like the hashtag thing is resist that and is worthless trump is trump is already a fucking cartoon character right so you can't caricature him yeah like it it just doesn't work it just doesn't work yeah it it becomes like watered down most of the time as opposed to yeah exaggerated for comedy yeah <sighs> there are people that do it well but it's fucking hard and they're few and far between um what did you think of the Return of the King episode? I like there are parts of it that I didn't like. Because um, like this, it seems relevant because it's it actually, is like an episode no, that is like I was I was going to say the parts history. of it. That, I, I like the parts that humanize him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really like throwing words into his mouth, but, you know, having like read a lot of his stuff it wasn't far off base no i imagine that the writers have <laughs> read his works and and like very um or were very informed on uh his opinions and his beliefs in order to like try to pull this off because it's like it's a dangerous thing to do um so for those who mm -hmm. haven't watched the episode um it is an alternate history that's where uh, yeah where mlk got shot uh, but went into a coma instead and then wakes up in, I want to say 2000, 2005? In October 2000. October of 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, he attempts to vote in the 2000 presidential election, but is turned away. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a biopic based on his life is released, but it's shortly after the September 11 attacks and so flops as a result. Um goes on some God, tv all... appearances and uh like is is like canceled <laughs> in modern day terms uh yeah and uh receives a bunch of scorn because he um is like uh at, at least in the the perspective of like yeah it's r well, not exactly and, revisionism and but is like consistent we're looking with his at ideology the, yeah the like nine eleven jingoism as well yeah where they wouldn't where everybody like, was 
like if you if you aren't towing the line you are it was then like, you're anti-american then you're anti-american you're a fucking terrorist and blah blah blah, blah. it was wild yeah. how strong that was and I, yeah. I think this got this like that part of it felt like the most relevant to me and and one of I the mean, reasons why i brought it, it up it got us into a fucking war then, like a 20 some. year long war yeah <laughs> that's kind of still happening but everybody everybody was on board you know and when well, i say everybody even, i mean every major yeah. political figure yeah even that thing of like yeah he put out a movie and it came out the week after 9-11 like that god i remember that happening to so much stuff yeah just like culture um, and media and art was swallowed by war fervor and violence and like yeah it was a very very consuming cultural event like you know not not to even go into the um the like political uh subsuming that it it had and the like um you know vast vast impacts that it had on so many people's lives and the horrifying results of of the war generally um but as just a looking at it as just like a cultural event it obliterated culture for years Mm mm-hmm it's unreal like you you just had all this weird shit like uh spider-man spider-man had to be delayed because they had to get rid of the uh or they didn't delay it but they had to get rid of the twin towers from it yeah um Um, yeah so many episodes of so many different things had to be edited that was like a small part of it i mean I, i just think about like you know the world that resulted from that is one where fucking jeff dunham became famous because he had a uh a, uh, a dead super terrorist racist, super racist yeah puppet. and like i can't think of somebody who has less value i'm sure there are there are people out there who has who has less cultural value and less like things to say with his art that are like interesting and poignant like there's he said absolutely fucking nothing of worth at all and, no. and yet for a time was extremely famous in some sort of fever dream people paying hundreds of dollars to see his ventriloquist performance of racism simply because he uh included a a, it was a very pro-white american and uh anti-al-qaeda like caricature yeah it's astonishing like how much you could get away with and, and how much money you could make if you were well and this like all of this is despite the fact that there was like active uh you know white supremacist attacks happening against oh yeah no but those just got once again also subsumed like they were no longer news Mm -hmm. if they ever were yeah yeah and at least not god and that we still can't even get away from that because fucking covid happened and violence against uh asian americans yeah went through the roof skyrocketed yeah it's it's astonishing how like yeah how how much media fails us in these circumstances to you know continue to provide any sort of like actual context of the experiences that people are having on a on a day-to-day basis in this country and yeah you know focuses i I don't the corporate and the political experience of the largest there's that whole thing where we we haven't really gotten our pandemic media yet like Mm -hmm. everything that comes out now still feels to me like it's from a different era completely yeah 
because it was just well in production had already been written etc most of the time anyway what do you think about uh the stink meaner episodes the stink meaner episodes yeah colonel stink meaner oh the the n-word moment episodes um i don't i don't know if you've watched the whole show but they do one of those every single season i've watched the first season and and i've watched quite a bit of of it outside of this but yeah much uh like in a in a much longer longer time frame um it was um put it this way like less interesting than a lot of the um smaller commentary i guess is is a way to put it oh sure um like i think what i like so much about the show most of the time are the like yeah smaller more human uh moments and so um i do like how with those episodes specifically they take out one because like season two they had fucking studio madhouse doing their animation whoa i didn't know that that's awesome yeah like every every season you basically get one episode where it's just gonna be fucking fight scenes and it rules (laughs) which like the animation on this show looks so good the animation does look really really good it's it's very anime influenced Mm -hmm. but also you know done on twos so it looks less jerky and like more expensive than anime typically does although there's a lot of weird stuff i i had mentioned to you there's it feels like their pans are going at uh 24 fps while they're still uh animating all their characters on twos yeah i i think i know what you mean it feels weird yeah it does feel weird it just looks kind of weird but when they get to the like the sakuga parts then it's just like (laughs) yeah this looks awesome it's perfect yeah but and what you're talking about specifically are the the moments where um you're like on a still or slightly moving animation frame and it's cropped in and the the camera itself is scrolling on the on the screen yep yeah i yeah yeah and it feels like yeah um but anyway so i personally i really like the stink meaner episodes for one thing i i love how much effort they put into making more of them <laughs> like <laughs> I, maybe that's the part that i I'm, don't know I'm if you've seen a, the whole, the whole yeah arc. like the first the first one is just granddad gets in a fight with a blind man yeah uh yeah that's the only one that he, i saw huey, and so huey yeah, thinks he's Zatoichi. yeah okay <laughs> So you got that one. The second one, which there is, uh, you know, they're stick... doing something funny with the um, yeah the like character of uh, the blind warrior, the blind um, uh, in this case, like yeah, heavily influenced by uh, as as is a uh, a lot yeah, of yeah by like... Zatoichi. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so you get that for the first one. The second episode of Stink Meaner starts with him talking to satan and he gets to go back and um uh what's the word uh take over tom dubois body oh my god <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> so so they have like a whole um they have a whole exorcist scene oh my god the thir- that's unreal. the third one uh his three friends 
who are um, based off of uh, God. One of them is based off of Jimmy J.J. Walker. Uh, one of them, God, I forget who the other two are based off of. I think it. I think Florida Evans is in there. But so his three friends come to continue the beef and keep trying to fight with the Freemans. Uh huh. The fourth one. Uh, Stink Meaner gets cloned. Oh my god. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the clone of Stink Meaner is coming back, like, cloned and enhanced. Oh my god. <laughs> and sent back to beat the shit out of Granddad. Yeah, there is something very fun about the the escalation and the, like, using of, uh, utilizing of other media tropes to, like, continue this single character. Well, and the whole thing of being very, um... It's all very grounded in the characters, but then they'll introduce, like, one magical element. Yeah. And just have that be the thing that they play with for the episode. Oh, it's great. I'm just going through uh, the rest of the episodes from the season, seeing if there's anything that I, like, really want to make sure I talk about. Uh, let me jump onto that. Oh, episode three was awful. Oh, uh, which one was that? Guess Ho's coming to dinner. Oh, yeah that was so bad yeah it's kind of i mean it it had some good jokes in it yeah of course but i think that yeah in the end it kind of like wound up overly misogynistic oh just like (laughs) like like you've been saying in a general sense extreme order of magnitude Yeah. yeah just like has i don't know just just such a and it's such a, a mean-spirited and cruel portrayal and like uh i don't know felt like genuine um like mal intent towards sex workers that's just like i don't know yeah which is somewhat pers- like they do get portrayed as actual human characters but they're never shown in a very positive light not even not even close yeah it's right it's it's always from the at least from the episodes that i've seen it's always from the perspective of like i don't know ex- extremely it's they're all extremely reductive portrayals and um like are not even if even if the the characters themselves have like some humanity to them no one else in the show regards them as human yeah um let me see. Another episode that I wanted to talk about was uh, the story of Gangstalicious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's so see. Oh, I, this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I love this episode. Yeah, this one's I really good. I think it does, like, it portrays homophobia while not glorifying it. Yeah. But then also, I love the the juxtaposition between what Riley's doing and what Huey's doing. Yeah. And of, um, and of the two, Huey is typically the, like, you know, audience surrogate, I guess, is maybe a way to put it, or, like, closest to an audience surrogate, or, like, hey, not Huey's an audience. Hey, self-insert for the creator. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not not an audience surrogate, but, like, um, yeah, the, the character who is experiencing the moments in the show closest to, and understanding them closest to reality, and then explaining them back to the audience. Right. It's, yeah. The whole thing with the Shabazz K. Milton Burrell, um, running that alongside the Gangs Delicious thing, I 
I'm kind of struggling to see where exactly the parallels are, but I did like the way that they ran alongside one another. Yeah. And, you know, um, as, as you mentioned, the, um, yeah, the, the portrayal of homophobia as something within the culture, but not as something to like, you know, as something be to be glorified. Of. Yeah. But yeah. as something that hurts people and as, as something that, you know, um, doesn't, doesn't like, like makes sense in a cultural context, but doesn't make sense within reality and like showing the humans that it affects and like, well, and the full characters. That, yeah. And the, the violence and pain that it results in. It was just a good story. Mm-hmm. And also had some really good jokes together, like uh, included in there. Yeah. Big time agree. Um, let me see what else. Uh, let's nab Oprah. Is <laughs> I feel like this is one of the few episodes that everybody episode. has seen because it's just, like, God, it's, it's a, so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, so that's, that's the one the where fucking... Ed once learned Jim Rummy, uh, at, attempt to kidnap oprah and huey and riley yeah they're the thing with them is that they're both severe one percenters to the extent where they're functionally immune from the law right so like so it's interesting the the gangster portrayal of them versus like the um the like reference points for um people who are you know gangsters out of their life and their their necessity that are portrayed throughout the course of the show and then there's these two cosplayers um mm-hmm. god the just the intro scene that the two of them get in the yes. bank robbery <laughs> and then... where they're doing they're doing a bank robbery they and then they're <laughs> complaining about it being 22 minutes <laughs> uh, and it and... turns out that ed's granddad owns the bank uh-huh <laughs> so <laughs> So they're just practicing bank robberies. <laughs> it's so good. Um, uh, and they, uh, MF Doom gets a song on there. R.I.P. MF Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, they use it as an excuse to do some like really great fight animations throughout and then some ridiculous fight animations, whatever, Ed and Jin are on screen. Uh, yep. You get the whole like full heist plot experience which is super good there there is the thing at the end where the 7-eleven winds up actually being a terrorist hub which was like iffy but also just very funny because like just due to the fact that like it gets it gets cut by the fact that they were just doing this as a scam yeah it's it's less like god the one that i always think of is um so 9-11 broke a lot of creators' brains. Yeah. And the one that I always think of is uh, Frank Miller, who's a comic book artist who did um, he did The Dark Knight Returns, or, God, I can't even remember the name of him. He did, like, Batman Year One. He did a really good run on Daredevil. Everyone remember like, he did Sin City. Um, oh, um, shit, what's his name? Frank Miller. Frank Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry, I didn't hear you say it the first time. So, yes. 9-11 shattered his mind, and <laughs> he decided to draw a comic where um, Batman's looking for nukes around uh, Gotham City. Oh, God, I think and, I actually... Yeah, just goes into... Um, like, 
goes into convenience stores and just finds these like hook nose night nightmare caricature people and every single one of them winds up being involved in some underground conspiracy to like gotham city it's ridiculous Um, yeah and he brings this up to (laughs) to dc and they're they're like like, what the fuck are you doing no (laughs) there's no fucking way like i wouldn't fuck this with joe quesada's dick yeah and (laughs) they're so he takes it recolors batman yellow erases his uh his ears calls him the fixer releases it on his own as a book called holy terror and which is just one of the worst comics that i've ever read things it's just so it's just so fucking bad it's yeah uh, it's so uh, god because there's like that will always be shit it's amazing it's amazing (sighs) to me how how you know how trash writing gets as soon as you try to like enforce a um a a consistent ideology of hatred onto something like yeah there's just fucking no good uh extreme right-wing art it's just it's just not out there because it's 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 amazing what happens to your ability to write when you try to force things through your extremely bigoted lens well and there's also like i don't know a lot of like internal inconsistency so many because you try to force right wing like pundits and shit like that are failed comedians failed steve bannon was an attempted screenwriter yeah uh ben shapiro put out a few fiction books they all suck um uh dave rubin comedian uh joe rogan also comedian also kind of still does shows i don't know sort of yeah yeah but yeah no it's yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, a fascinating aspect to to culture and i think is extremely it's amazing how consistent it is and it's yeah it's the the inability to be um imaginative uh, and consistent with the the like way that worlds unfurl and uh, narratives hold true or don't hold true and that ideology relies on um and it relies on on maintaining inconsistent lies in order to like keep being consistent internally and so as soon as you crystallize it into something like this comic um it becomes very very easy to ridicule in the format of (laughs) well it also this format (laughs) it it doesn't help that it seems like frank miller just over the course of his career got less and put less effort into his drawing yeah um anyway do you have a favorite episode from this first season or Um, from even the whole show we'll open it wide up i think i think my favorite episode of this season just because it's the one that i've i've watched most recently and i'm i think there's others in the full show that i probably like more but don't have the full recollection yeah, it let's is, just go first season then. Yeah, it is hard for anything to beat the first episode for me because it it has what I think is like one of the most uh poignant like personal pieces, which is that like expression of um as soon as uh an artist has an audience that includes the ultra wealthy, um what they say sort of stops to matter. Um stops mattering in the same way. Yeah, they like, kind of just get laughed off yeah your ability to be subversive is consumed 
um, by uh, people just ignoring what you're actually saying. I guess mine is kind of similar because I really liked the episode The Block is Hot, the one where Jasmine Mm. starts a lemonade stand. Yeah. And just consistently (laughs) gets exploited (laughs) by Ed Wunsler with the uh, not only like vague incentive of getting a pony but later <laughs> threats to the pony um yeah no the I, it, the themes are are really really similar between the two and i guess yeah. they're explored a little bit more um uh in that one but it's it's also just very funny to me whenever they um jasmine is a character yeah i really really like i really like jasmine she's there's a sincerity to her mm-hmm. that isn't present in most of the other um, child characters mm-hmm. and a gullibility there as well. That's kind of wrapped up in that sincerity and that's in the assumption that other people are going to be sincere. Yeah. Yes. And then there's also like the, her interactions with Huey and Riley are both good. Yeah. God, the episode where like this is from the second season it's the first episode of the second season when they take her to the movie theater is so fucking funny because it's it's just her all right so first episode of the second season uh they decide to go to the movies but granddad has a vendetta against movie theaters and tries to scam them like he try he sneaks in brings his own food riley has a camcorder <laughs> like just all this shit but they have jasmine with them the whole time and she is just absolutely freaking out about how <laughs> how, yeah. how all, all of them are conducting themselves <laughs> aside from huey who's just huey. there is like not even a conscientious objector but Literally just, just like vibing. there there is a body <laughs> uh goddamn but yeah i it's a pretty great show i like her as a character all the the thugnificent stuff like yeah just yeah uh, there's so much good stuff in this show there's also bad stuff but yeah you know what i can i can overlook the lion's share of it i think so too and and, and not even just like overlook it but it's the thing you need to do with uh problematic media that you know uh is is the thing that everybody who is like an actual media critic says um compared to people who are you know uh in engaging with this uh performatively and and don't get me wrong uh, anybody is for their own personal reasons should you know decline to engage with media um, yeah for for their own reasons you know uh, i imagine that this show is probably difficult to watch for some folks um and then you know, likewise with that Frank Miller bullshit, it's very, very easy to say this is literally worthless and I'm not going to engage with it outside of ridiculing it. Um, but mm-hmm. there's there's a, a lot of space in the middle, like in this show, where um, there's a a lot of failings and it's, I think, important to recognize those failings and to, to um, critique them. Well, yeah, still being able to, to get a lot out of it. Um, yeah, yeah, big agree. You have a numerical writing um i legitimately don't think i do for this one no yeah it um all right uh it i don't know rating systems i, I was don't trying to come out with 
with a funny dumb thing to because it's it's like you know every episode is like you know eight percent eight percent um uh cringe 85 percent um effective comedy 65 percent good animation 30 percent pans and it just like adds up to more than 100 percent uh as you're as you're accumulating all this stuff yeah there's also something to be said regarding like the use of the n-word in the show Mm. and the consistent use of it which but i'm i'm not even sure what what i as a white person would say about that that hasn't already been said yeah probably nothing (laughs) probably nothing (laughs) probably nothing that's okay but like there there is a lot of discussion of it as a you know word that's used in the black community a a lot of discussion there's a whole episode where riley gets called the n-word by his teacher and that's the that's the whole episode is them trying to get as much money as they can (laughs) out of the school system (laughs) because riley got called the n-word which is yeah which is an interesting topic yeah it's an interesting topic and it's an interesting take on it and yeah uh, i think yeah talk about like an hour forever. in yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, thanks for listening everyone yeah uh, we could do a fucking two-hour episode just on uncle ruckus i think people could do if, the, if it doesn't exist already i haven't looked an entire podcast that is just about boondocks probably i mean jamie loftus did a whole one on kathy <laughs> that's not a good uh, indicator of what could or should be done <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, it's really good. Wait, no shit? Yeah, it's called Cast. That's kind of amazing. Okay. I don't know why yeah. that name was the thing that I needed to convince me, but I'm convinced. She talks about the boondocks in it a few times, just as one of the first um, black-created comics to be, uh, like, syndicated. Yeah. And... Syndication's a big deal. It It's an interesting story. Like, the way that the Boondocks came to be a syndicated comic. Because originally, it was uh, Aaron Magruder drawing this for his college um, his college newspaper, if I remember oh, I correctly. Yeah, uh, he, he also, like, asked them for more money than they gave to anyone else. <laughs> and they just gave it to him. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, then he sent it out and like just wound up getting it syndicate like god i I would have to re-look up the whole story i did much dumber research like watching all the friday movies and watching black dynamite (laughs) uh rather than researching the actual comic that this is based on i read about a month's worth of the uh the comics themselves the recent stuff yeah um, oh, I haven't read I much know. of the the recent recent stuff. What what was that like? Uh, it's it's good. It kind of feels uh, serialized more so than a lot of uh, mm. newspaper comics. Mm-hmm. Like, because they'll do long storylines. Right. Like the last, uh, God, I didn't. I skipped one storyline, but there's uh, there was a storyline where uh, Riley stole all the street signs 
in the neighborhood and just renamed the street signs to shit like uh notorious big avenue and uh yeah and then the latest one was um riley took a job getting someone's food from the grocery store and just stole all the food for Uh like stole their whole thanksgiving meal basically (laughs) okay is there any any point to that yeah it, it well it's a lot of like huey kind of pointing out that it's wrong while granddad is coming up with excuses being like oh well you know they said to bring it to the house but they didn't say which house (laughs) yeah that kind of stuff um and just like the kind of stuff that actually finished coming out from it sounds like the kind of stuff that ends up coming out from needing to produce a a singular piece of media for what feels like an artistic century years yeah yeah anyway we can we can move on (laughs) yeah we're at an hour five thanks so much for listening y'all big thanks to the composer of our theme miles morkery and to bernadette meeker the artist for our thumbnail we're on twos pod on twitter.com our website is on twos.club you're the best good night good night